You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 404. I am your host, Noelle Tarr of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I am dealing with some sort of post-viral laryngitis. I don't know what's happening, but I got sick last week, still haven't gotten my voice back. As a result, this interview is a little crackly. But it is definitely worth it because I am here with my long-awaited guest, Morley Robbins, who is the creator and founder of the Root Cause Protocol and Magnesium Advocacy Group. He is trained in wellness coaching, nutritional counseling, functional diagnostic nutrition. He's also an expert in hair tissue mineral analysis. He's well known for his research into magnesium's role in the body, but also minerals. And three very important minerals, copper, iron, and magnesium, and the relationship between the three. Not many people are talking about minerals out there, and it's really not anything that's discussed in depth in most nutrition courses. And so I'm really excited to dive a little bit more into minerals and into that relationship between iron and copper and why that's so important and why when you go to the doctor and you get your iron tested, why that's largely insufficient. I know a lot of people struggle with the symptoms of low iron. This is going to give some really incredible insight and information about what you can do moving forward to improve your iron levels and what you actually need to get tested that gives you a full picture. So I am so honored to have Morley on. I'm excited to get this information out to everybody and I am going to have him back on just to talk about magnesium since we only scratched the surface. So let's get to the interview. Well, welcome, Mr. Robbins. I am so thrilled to have you here. And from here on out, I'll call you Morley. But I really was like, I feel like yeah. I need to be a little bit more formal up front. But I'm yeah. either way, I'm honored that you're here. Well, I'm thrilled to be here. And I'm glad we were able to find a time. And Yes. So this will be a fun discussion. Yeah, I'm getting over a little bit. We were scheduled to meet last week. And you can hear in my voice, I'm getting over a little something. You had a little something. So I'm glad yeah. that we were able to make it work because minerals and mineral balance is an aspect of nutritional health that I think is just not talked about a ton, nor is it understood. And even when I was younger and in my 20s and learning about nutrition, I wasn't I wasn't like super jazzed about minerals. But really, as I've gotten older, I find that a lot of chronic health conditions and chronic fatigue and chronic inflammation, which we're going to talk about all that stuff later, but a lot of that can be boiled down to um, a lack of fat soluble vitamins and a lack of proper mineral balance. And I read your book earlier, actually last week. And one of the things that you said was the root of persistent fatigue is oxidative stress. And the root of oxidative stress is cellular dysfunction caused by an imbalance of three key minerals, copper, iron and magnesium. So before we jump into minerals and all that we need to know to fight, you know, oxidative stress with minerals, talk to me about the hierarchy of minerals in the body. 
Yeah, no, it's it's a great place to start. So what what a lot of authors will tell you is that there are 82, maybe 84 minerals that are on the planet. And, oh, they're all important and get you freaking out about 84 minerals. <laughs> and when you when you step back from it, you say, wait a minute, we, we've, we've got to make energy. Let's focus on the ones that are involved in making energy. And, and it's only a handful that get involved in any aspect of it. But when you really pull the curtain all the way back, what's important for, for the listeners to understand is that we live on a planet that has air, and 21% of that air is a poison. It's called oxygen. No, we can't live without it, right? But you can't age without it either. And so the reason why we're on this planet, the reason why we're having this engaging conversation on these fancy devices is that higher order species require greater energy. And the only way that was made possible was being able to activate that oxygen and turn it into fuel. And it's one of the most important transactions that takes place on the planet. It occurs inside our mitochondria. The average person has heard of mitochondria. They think of, oh, I remember my biology textbook and there was a picture of a cell and there were one or two mitochondria on that, on that picture, right? Mm-hmm. But what they didn't tell you was that picture was drawn by Walt Disney. It has <laughs> nothing to do with reality. And so the the average person has 40 quadrillion mitochondria. So that's about 500 mitochondria per cell. But it's important to understand that there's a distribution of mitochondria, that the average liver cell has 2,000 mitochondria. Mm -hmm. Average cell, kidney cell, 4,000 mitochondria, heart cell, 10,000 mitochondria. You're sitting down, right? Mm-hmm. The, the mature egg in a woman's body, up to 600,000 mitochondria per egg. Wow. No one's ever told you that. Mm-mm. And as women get older, there are fewer and fewer mitochondria. It can go down to as few as 100,000 mitochondria. And, and then there are brain regions that have upwards of 2 million mitochondria per neuron. Well, we, we, can't even, we can't even comprehend that. That's just, when you think about how small the neuron is, and there's 2 million mitochondria in there, and no one ever talks about this. No one ever talks about how energy is actually made on the planet. And when you, when you activate oxygen, what you're doing is you're turning it into two molecules of water. Because what you're doing, when you activate oxygen inside the mitochondria, it's this magical convergence of four hydrogens, four electrons, and suddenly you've got two molecules of water that can only take place in a pH of seven. So neutral pH, and that releases three energy precursor cells called ADP. 
And then they go to another complex and they become 3-magnesium ATP. And it's, it's absolutely a miracle that it happens, but it, but it only happens on this planet because of the oxygen. And it was copper that saved us many, many moons ago. And the reason why it's important to understand that is that suddenly you need to understand there are only two metals, only two metals that have any kind of what's called redox relationship, reduction, oxidation. Those are chemical transactions where you're just passing electrons back and forth. But only two metals that have that kind of relationship with oxygen, iron and copper. And what's important for people to realize is that in the world of uh, traditional Chinese medicine, Copper is called the general, hmm. and iron is called the foot soldier. Now, your husband's in the military, but hmm. you, don't even need to, you don't need to be married to a, to a, he's a Marine, I think, if I remember correctly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, oh my God, I almost called him a soldier. That would be an insult. But, <laughs> I would not have corrected you. <laughs> no, but I've been around enough to know that that's a big, there's a big difference. Yes. And, um. But you don't need to be in the Marines to know there's a difference between a general and a foot soldier. Mm-hmm. Or I guess they call them grunts, right? Yeah, uh, they do, grunts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm the last person you want on your military team, I'll tell you that. <laughs> do, do you want to know why? I would take you. <laughs> well, maybe because you think I'm intelligent, but I don't, I don't follow orders very well. Okay. Yeah. That's 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 how I've learned what I've learned. I didn't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing is, um, picture picture Battle of the Bulge without Patton, and that's what happens inside our body when there aren't enough generals, and the iron gets dysregulated, and when iron gets dysregulated, it's not being properly regulated, it's going to cause magnesium loss. And that's how those three minerals are connected. The general runs the show, keeps the foot soldiers in line, and as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, magnesium doesn't get burned up by oxidative stress. As soon as there's a kink in the works, and I'm sure we'll talk about those kinks, but as soon as there's a kink in the works, you have this rise of oxidative stress, and outside our body we call it rust. Inside our body, we don't we didn't realize it was the same thing, but it's same thing. Plaque and neurofibrillary tangles, things like that. They're all rust, and they do a lot of damage to our body. But but what they really do is they undermine energy production. So that's the that's the whole essence of the uh, root cause protocol is to get people into an energy-centric understanding of how energy is made, but also how our homeostasis is maintained. And so um, the hierarchy is based on that understanding of oxygen and the importance of activating it. And so there, there are really only four things that copper does on this planet. Number one, it creates energy. Two, 
it clears exhaust. And I know we'll talk more about that. Mm-hmm. It clears mm-hmm. metabolic exhaust. Three, it catalyzes enzymes. It's a big deal. Enzymes are what make things happen inside our body. And it's copper that's enabling that to, to take place. And then four is copper is unique as a metal. It's the only element on planet Earth that combats all enemies, whether it's bacteria, fungus, virus, or parasites. And what people don't realize is that modern medications are really effective at chelating copper. So it's a, it's a very um, interesting world that we find ourselves in because this is not common knowledge, as you well know. And I appreciate you taking the time to, to read the book. Um, and it's important for people to know that, that there is a, a parallel universe of healing that's based on Mother Nature, mm-hmm. not based on Big Pharma. And so that that's where a lot of confusion um, arises, is that people have never been taught about this hierarchy. They've never been taught about the role that oxygen plays on the planet. And the fact that there's actually an element, there's, there's only one element that can regulate both oxygen and iron, and that's copper. And it's absolutely, it's a miracle that it has that capacity. Yeah, I mean, I only ever really, when I think about copper, I think about copper pans or like copper, like, mm-hmm. you know, you think of it, yeah. you know, the cookware, um, because it's not something that we are ever taught about in nutrition, you know, classes or anything. Nobody's really focusing on mm-hmm. the importance of this, of copper. And I, before I, you know, I want to, of course, I'm sure everybody's like, where do you find copper before we jump into, you know, why we've become as a society, sort of, we've removed ourselves from nutrients like bioavailable copper. Talk to me about what is copper expand on this a little bit, because I love your analogy about when oxygen comes into contact with iron in, you know, the world we call it rust and that happens inside the body and copper's job is to make sure that that doesn't happen so talk to me about what is copper's job in relation to iron how is it kind of helping to regulate it and what happens when copper's not available to do that job yeah no that's really really important so what's what's really useful for people to understand is that the amount of copper needed to regulate our body, it's, a, it's only 100 milligrams. Mm. That, that, that fits on the head of a one-inch stick pin. Really tiny amount. And, and what the average person has is about 5,000 milligrams of iron. So it's a 50 to 1 ratio. It's an enormous amount of... And again, we're, we're back to the general and the foot soldier. Uh, did, again, this is in the army. I don't know what it is in the Marines, but but by, I was so intrigued by this. By law, there's only 242 generals, hmm. and there's 440,000 foot soldiers. I, I, I imagine the numbers are the same in the Marines, but it's maybe slightly smaller numbers. But it's fascinating that, that there's a restriction on how many generals there can be, and and I think what's important for people to realize is that 
We live in a world where the farming system, the food system, and the pharmaceutical system are seeing how quickly they can get rid of the generals in our body. I think people need to know that there's an active assault. And the, the thing is that copper's job, among its many jobs, so you use the phrase bioavailable copper. Thank you. It's very important. Because <laughs> a lot of people just, they, the first thing they think of when they hear the word copper is toxic. Because that's the meme that that's the meme that runs medicine, is you're anemic and you're copper toxic, and it's like no, that's exactly the opposite of the truth. It turns out we're all drowning in iron. They've been adding iron filings to the food system since 1941. They increased it 50 percent in 1969. I mean, it's outrageous how much iron we're exposed to. The the supplements that people take they have no idea how much iron they're taking mm -hmm. and 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 we'll get into the the nuance of iron showing up in the blood versus iron in the tissue but the important one of the important jobs for copper is that copper does its work through enzymes and there are scores of copper enzymes one of its key jobs is to work through a protein called ceruloplasmin, which stands for sky blue blood, cerulo blue plasmin blood. And that protein, which has eight copper atoms inside it, it expresses 20 different enzyme functions. It's a transformer. If you want roller skates, yeah, I got that. You want a skateboard. I can do skateboard. You want a tricycle? Yeah, I can do a tricycle. Would you, you'd rather have a motorbike. Okay. How about a boat? I got a boat. Okay. Oh, you, you want a rocket ship. And this protein can morph 20 different ways depending upon what's happening inside the body. But one of the most important functions that it has, one of, it's called the ferrooxidase enzyme function. And what that does is it regulates the valence of iron. And if you remember from your high school chemistry, biology class, valence is the number of, of uh, electrons in the outer shell. And oh man, does that bring back painful memories or what? <laughs> but <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, iron typically exists in either a plus two called ferrous, or a plus three called ferric. Those are the two states. Well, ferrous is very dangerous. So think of ferrous meaning dangerous. But what the ferrooxidase enzyme does is it turns that plus two into a plus three because it's the ferric form of iron that can be attached to proteins, principally transferrin and ferritin. Transferrin is a transport protein for iron. Very, very important. And ferritin is a storage protein for iron that's supposed to be inside the cell, not outside the cell, in the blood. And a ferritin blood test is not measuring iron vitality. What it's really measuring is organ pathophysiology. 
and how much are your liver cells breaking down, causing the ferritin protein to be secreted into the blood. And, and here's why this is so important. We know we have a lot of iron in our body, but the, the vast majority of it, 70% of the iron in our body is tied up in hemoglobin, which are inside red blood cells. And another 10% is in myoglobin. And, and what, is, what is hemoglobin and myoglobin doing? They're waiters. They're waiters carrying oxygen. And what's useful for the listeners to understand is that every second of every day, you got to make two and a half million red blood cells, 200 billion, 200 billion per day. And in order to replace 200 billion red blood cells, we need a whopping 25 milligrams of iron. What? 25? That's it? Yeah, because there's only there's only a 1% turnover. So 25 milligrams of iron is a very small amount. But here's the catch. 95% of that 25 milligrams. 24 of those 25 milligrams come from what's called a recycling system. Formerly, it's called the reticuloendothelial system. It's called RES. Noel, it took me two years to figure out that meant recycling. Mm. (laughs) But when I did figure it out, then it changed everything. And so if you don't understand the elegance of that recycling system and its total dependence on copper, because what's involved in breaking down two and a half million red blood cells per second is what are called macrophages, the Pac-Man of the body that love to break down toxins and bugs and things, but especially dying red blood cells. And they've got to be able to break down the, the red blood cell and be able to release the iron. And there's a, there's a back door, and it's called ferroportin, iron doorway, ferroportin. It's like right there. But what is hidden in the literature is that that iron doorway is operated by a copper doorman called Hephaestus, expressing ferrooxidase function. And what happens when ferrooxidase is there, the iron can leave two and a half times faster. It gets bound to transferrin in a very accelerated way so that it can find its way back into the long bones. And so what we've got is this very small percentage of iron, you know, we, we only need one milligram of iron a day in our diet. 24 of those 25 milligrams is coming from this recycling system that's going at blitzkrieg speed. And what's important for people to realize, though, is that all this hocus-pocus about copper toxicity is based on blood tests. Oh, you're, you know, you're, you're copper toxic. Never telling people that only 1% of the copper is found in the blood. Where's 47% of the copper found? Oh, in the bone marrow, where all the work is being done by those nerve cells making red blood cells at a blitzkrieg pace. And so when you don't have all of the details, you don't understand the problem. Or as one of my good friends, uh, Pastor Joey says, missing information equals missing truth. Mm-hmm. And so the world, the world has been operating on missing information. 
the recycling system is under attack. And so uh, the, the role that copper plays is making sure that that recycling system is working efficiently, making sure that iron is in the right balance, making sure that um, there's symmetry and balance in the production and breakdown of these red blood cells. And again, these are these are just, I think they're fascinating truths about uh, how blood is made and managed that is completely lost in the modern era because everyone has been trained to think that they're anemic. I love adaptogens. I love them. I take them every day. I used to be that way with coffee. Let's be honest. I would need it every morning. But now I love the feeling that I get from adaptogens. And it's a much more healthful <laughs> daily habit. That's what we all want, more, right? More, more healthful daily habits. That actually supports my body's physiology. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. They essentially boost your resistance and tolerance when it comes to emotional and physical stress. They are good for stress support, adrenal dysfunction, hormone imbalances, anxiety, fatigue, you name it, adaptogens can help. The more I research adaptogens, the more I realize the easiest and best way to enjoy adaptogens is with superfood blends that can be added to water. Now I drink Organifi Red Juice three to four times a week, mostly mid-morning, and it's incredible for energy support and focus. It's a red berry antioxidant blend that has cordyceps, rhodiola, and reishi. They also have a green juice, which has ashwagandha in it. It's great for stress and recovery, especially if you're working out on a regular basis. And my favorite is Organifi Gold. It's my favorite nightcap. It's a sweet little warm drink. You can take at night. It's got reishi. If you've got anxiety or your mind is spinning at night, drink that as your nightcap. It is so good and it's calming. All of Organifi's superfood adaptogen blends are 100% certified organic and contain high quality ingredients. And they're also free of fillers and they taste really good and have clinical doses of adaptogens. You can support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. Go to Organifi.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed for 20% off your entire order. So what has caused, if if it's not, we don't need that much copper for the system to work properly, what has caused a decrease in bioavailable copper within the body? Like, is it our is it poor diet? Like, why are people not getting enough bioavailable copper to help protect the system? Great question. So our ancestors were raised on farms, and the philosophy of a farm is captured in one word, recycle, because you got to be able to recycle the sunlight and recycle the seed and recycle the rain and recycle the manure in order to grow crops, in order to grow animals. It's all about recycling. Really, really important. In the modern era, we live in a, in a situation where we've been raised in factories, a factory setting. And what's the philosophy of a factory? Replace. So we've got a farm that recycles and a factory that replaces. Oh, you need a new phone. You need a new car. You need a new washer dryer. We've got to replace that. 
Well, it turns out that our body is a giant farm constantly recycling. That's what autophagy is all about. Breaking down the cells, get the component parts, rebuild them into new cells, constant ebb and flow of cellular activity, recycling system run by a factory worker called copper. And copper needs to be replaced every day. Mm -hmm. And for all of humanity, up until about a century ago, this took place flawlessly because the food system supplied it. Mm -hmm. Copper was in the soil. So copper got in the nuts and seeds and copper got in the, the foods that are so central to our health, you know, corn and soybean and peanuts and things like that that were very rich sources of copper that have now been sucked dry of their copper mm. by the use of farming chemicals called glyphosate. So we know that um, pH is measured in a logarithmic scale from 1 to 14. Each, each increase in the ordinal number is a tenfold increase in impact. I just found out how it's a known fact that glyphosate chelates minerals. Everyone knows that. But what I found out is that the scale to measure its impact is logarithmic. And that magnesium is a 2. Copper is an 11. And what does that mean? It means that glyphosate chelates copper a billion times stronger and faster than it chelates magnesium. That kind of takes your breath away. Copper is and has been the number one nutrient that's been missing on the farm for 80 years. Mm. So NPK and now glyphosate basically eliminate copper from the soil. Well, if it's not in the soil, it doesn't get in the grass. If it's not in the grass, it's not going to get in the animal. Right. And if it's not in the animal, it's not going to get in the human. Uh, or it's not going to get into the, into the produce of the uh, crops that you're growing. Um, even, even the organic farmers are getting fooled because they don't think about the fact that the horse manure that they're using to put in their field, what's coming from horses eating GMO alfalfa and GMO oats, so there's no copper. It's not getting in the excrement. So it's, it, it, right. we're, we're, it, we're just in this circular situation of, of not properly mineralizing the soil. But, you know, the book that, that you read last week, um, Cure Your Fatigue, I'm, I'm playing around with this idea of the second book, Cure Your Farm. Because mm. I, I, I think that's where the real crisis is, is that there isn't enough awareness about the impact that these farming chemicals have had. So what's been causing this copper loss? Well, the loss of copper in the soil, then food processing, just just the refine the the refining. The word refining should make us like, wait a minute, what does that mean? What, what are they refining? They're taking away all of the nutrient density of the food. And then what do they add back so that we'll eat it? Sugar. And what does sugar do? It depletes copper. To, to break down sugar, you got to have copper. <laughs> People don't think about that. 
Mm-hmm. And so then, then we start to lose these minerals. We start to get sick. And then we go see the doctor and they give us medication. What's the medication do? Most of them, chelate minerals, especially magnesium and copper. I, see, I didn't know any of this. I mean, I, I worked in the hospital industry, as you know, for 32 years. I, I didn't know this was the the convergence of these three industries is near perfect to weaken um, the two-legged rat. So it's it's a very challenging time because what we're trying to do now is uh, go out of our way to develop bioavailable copper. And um, we're just two and a half years recovering from um, a certain dynamic that took place worldwide. And people people don't realize what that really stands for. I've, I've actually renamed it. COV stands for Coppers Vanished, and ID stands for Irons Dysregulated. And, and because people don't know the importance of minerals, as you know, and they don't know the relationship between copper and iron, every facet, every facet of every symptom of, of that condition as well as the jab that followed it, is caused by a lack of copper and excess iron in the body. And so I I think it's important for people to realize that that these minerals are very powerful in our body. And again, we've got to have iron. Again, we've got to have that waiter. If you don't have the waiter, you you don't get your food in the restaurant, you don't get your oxygen in your tissue. It's real important, but... But it's, it's not like the, the waiter's running the show. There is an innate intelligence. And so it's a, it's a real wake-up call to come to terms with the reality of our situation, especially our, our food and nutrition situation, and realize that that's really what's behind the symptoms that so many of us struggle with. What are some good sources of copper that like, where, what are you recommending people? Because we can't obviously mineralize the soil ourselves if we're not farmers. So where are we getting copper from or where does it still exist? No, it's a great, great question. Um, what we're up against is, I think, we're, I think we are forced to supplement with copper. Hmm. And, and basically my, my revenge to the last two and a half years was to create a, comp- a product called Recuperate. Recuper eight. That's my unending wit, and um, <laughs> and so the thing is, um, a lot of people are taking desiccated beef liver, mm. and and they they don't know whether they're actually getting copper or not. Again, all of the all the manufacturers of desiccated beef liver are measured. They're they're basing it on nutrient analyses of the beef liver before it's desiccated. No one ever measures it afterwards. Well, that's a big deal. Maybe the uh, amount of copper in there isn't as what, what it's been built as. And so basically what I did was I came up with a product that has desiccated beef liver, spirulina, some turmeric, and two milligrams of copper bisglycinate. Mm. But there are other forms that I recommend. Uh, there's a company called NIC that makes sovereign silver. But they make a wonderful copper called copper hydrazole, wonderful liquid copper. There's a, a company called Reverse Skin Aging out in Seattle, uh, developed by Lauren Pickert, famous copper biologist. 
And um, he developed something called 3% VIP luxury copper cream and copper serum. And they're amazing in being able to supply in a transnormal. So you've got you've got the copper hydrazole that you can drink. You've got the, the copper cream or copper serum that you can put on transdermally. And then you've got recuperate that you can take internally. Um, I'm, I imagine there are parts of the world where you can still find copper in the soil. But what I would encourage people to do is look up on the internet, look at a map of glyphosate use around the world. Hmm. And you will be shocked at what you find. It basically covers the entire planet now. There's very few farms that aren't being decimated by that chemical. And people don't realize the impact it's having on mineral access to minerals and what what impact it's having on our health. I mean, the incidence of gout, diabetes, heart disease, uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. These are all meteoric rises in disease. And guess what they all have in common? Lack of copper. Ding, ding, ding. And so it's, it's, I think it's important for people to realize um, how central this lowly little general is that basically runs our body. You talked about something really interesting, and I, wanna, I want this to hopefully we can talk to people who are anemic and maybe they don't know a lot or how to talk to their doctor about this. But, you know, iron's a big deal. You're told to take it a lot, especially when you're mm-hmm. pregnant. It's in a lot of prenatals, right? It's like everybody's talking about taking getting your iron. And one of the things that you talked about in the book was there's a difference between iron in the tissue, which you've you mentioned were overloaded (laughs) in that and then iron in the blood. So if somebody is they've been getting their blood work and it says they're low in iron, they're low in iron, they need to be supplementing with iron and they have the symptoms, you know, what is it? What do they actually need to be doing? How how is it that they can get how how would they know if they have too much iron in the tissue but not enough in the blood? And how do we get it in the blood? Great, great question. Um, I, I'm trying to think of uh, about six different ways I could start this. Let's <laughs> just dive in. Try um, to put it in layman's terms. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> of course, no. Um, the, all of the confusion is um, we've been led to believe our whole lives that the information we get from a blood test is completely representative of what's going on in our body. Perfectly representative. No, it's not. Not even close. And so, the, the phrase iron in the blood versus iron in the tissue. Again, we're back to that recycling system. The iron that's in the tissue has got to get back into the blood, can only get back into the blood when the copper dormant is there to release it, get it back into the uh, circulation. <laughs> but the important thing is this really came to light in 2004 when a famous physiologist named Bruce Ames and his partner, Dr. Kililia, did a major study of what is the difference between iron in the tissue and iron in the blood. 
And what they discovered, let me put it in the right context. Um, Dr. Ames spent the bulk of his career at Berkeley. And at the, at the height of his career, he was the most quoted scientist on planet Earth. We're not talking about Bob Smith down the street. You know, We're talking about Bruce Ames, one of the most re respected and revered scientists of all time. And what he discovered is that there can be 10 times more iron in the tissue than shows up in the blood. Mm. And that article apparently is not taught in doctor school, unfortunately. And doctors are convinced that whatever the blood work says is the truth. And that is not the truth. And what's also important is that there are three different containers for iron that can be measured in the blood. Very important that people understand this. So we have three containers. We have a bucket of iron called hemoglobin. Again, it's 70% of the body's iron is in the hemoglobin, 70%. We have a teacup of iron, much smaller container, bucket's big, teacup small. Teacup of iron, that's, that's ferritin. But again, that ferritin protein is supposed to be inside the cell and not showing up in the blood. So if your doctor is making a decision based on serum ferritin and not considering hemoglobin and serum iron, which we'll talk about in a minute, then they're not giving the full story. And then the, th um, the third piece of the puzzle is a thimble of iron called serum iron. Thimble's really tiny. So we've got 70% in hemoglobin, 10% in ferritin, one-tenth of 1% 1 is in serum iron, and that's part of the recycling iron, that small little amount of iron that's needed to keep the replacement of red blood cells. And doctors are not measuring all three. They're not interpolating what they're saying. And far too often, what's happened prior to um, 1972, from the time of the Civil War until 1972, doctors knew that in order to measure iron status, you had to measure hemoglobin. And that all changed with a major study in the British Medical Journal by Dr. Jacobs and his team in London, hematologists. And suddenly they moved the spotlight from hemoglobin and moved it over to ferritin. Hmm. And the world was never the same. And now doctors think that just a ferritin-only blood test is an indication of iron status. And what they don't know, and there's extensive proof, Dr. Orosio, Dr. Woodard, Dr. Kell, and others have definitively proven that the ferritin protein that shows up in the blood has no iron. They're empty shotgun shells. And so people are being told that, oh, you've got hair loss, you got to get your ferritin up. Mm. Oh, you've, you're taking thyroid meds, you got to get your ferritin up. And the only way to get your ferritin up is to develop liver pathology. 
So let me see if I get that right, doctor. So you want me to develop liver pathology to increase the expression of serum ferritin, which is empty of its iron, in order to get my medication to work or to get my hair to grow back? Are you, are you serious? And that's what they're being told in the modern era. And here's the part when we start talking about pregnancy that really, I, I'd love to see us just talk about pregnancy in a whole session, because I think your listeners would be fascinated. Mm -hmm. But did you know that there's actually three different copper proteins in the placenta? Mm -hmm. Managing copper and iron status? So you've, you've got children. How many kids do you have? Two. Okay. All right. Well, what you didn't know is that there is ceruloplasmin, hephaestin, and zyclopen. All three of those proteins express ferrooxidase function. And all three are critical for proper regulation of copper and iron between mother and child. Hmm. And how many times did your obstetrician mention that? <laughs> how many times did the I doctor... I didn't go to one. I went to a midwife, but she didn't mention it. <laughs> she didn't mention it either. And, and, and they don't measure copper, and they don't measure ceruloplasm status, and they don't measure magnesium status, which I think is sinful, because the best quote I ever heard about magnesium, or as it relates to pregnancy, is by Mildred Selig, world-renowned physician and magnesium expert. Um, but she said, pregnancy is a magnesium-deficient state from mm -hmm. stem to stern. Right. Right? But you don't know why that's important. And the second, my second favorite quote as it relates to pregnancy is by a famous alpine physiologist. His name was Sir Joseph Barcroft. He was very prominent in the 1930s. And as he got into his 60s, he started to move away from alpine physiology and moved into prenatal physiology. Hmm. And his famous saying is that pregnancy is Mount Everest in utero. And what you don't know is that the amount of oxygen in the uterus is between 1% and 3% in the first trimester. And it's a very anaerobic existence. And in order to make energy in an anaerobic environment, there's 10 enzymes. Guess how many of them require magnesium? All of them. Eight of the 10. Okay, that was close. <laughs> no, but that's, that's, a good, that's a good answer. <laughs> but 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 isn't that amazing that that birthing practitioners never even give thought to the magnesium status mm -hmm. when you think about how important energy production is, especially in the first trimester. And you want to have proper fetal development, you better have good copper and good retinol status. Mm -hmm. And what's the obsession in obstetrics? Vitamin D and iron. Makes no sense at all, and it's no, it really, it, it absolutely mm -hmm. does not make any no. sense. At yeah, all. I didn't even think about that. And so, again, we, we live in this world of 
opposites where we're focusing on exactly the wrong thing. And people don't realize how twisted our world is. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm very grateful that you, you reached out because you obviously you want to, you, you not only want to understand this, you want to make sure your followers understand this. Mm-hmm. And these are the, these are the fundamentals. And I, and I don't think women can produce healthy children if they don't understand these mineral dynamics, but if they don't understand oxygen management and they don't understand how energy is made. And that's where we're, we're really compromised as a society now is that we're not fully aware of how our body really works. And that's really what that book was supposed to do, is help people. It's like an um, a instruction manual on how does the body really work. Black Friday is a wonderful time of year because brands feel obligated to put everything on sale, and that is great for you, especially if you're a fan of magnesium breakthrough, probiotics, and digestive enzymes. In fact, you'll get 25% off site-wide starting November 21st, so listen up. Magnesium is a mineral that quite literally can change your life and health. It's estimated that over 90% of Americans are deficient in magnesium, which is a stressor on the body. And its demand goes up in times of stress, so it's a one-two punch. Being deficient in magnesium is linked to migraines, sleep issues, heart disease. There's even an inverse relationship between magnesium levels and risk of stroke. That is serious and something we should be spreading the word about. And even more critically, there's not just one type of magnesium that works. Now, I'm normally a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can through a well-balanced diet. But in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough magnesium taken through your food alone because our soil is so overworked and mineral depleted. Fortunately, Bioptimizers has a great solution. Magnesium Breakthrough has seven types of magnesium, and it's specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body. It gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health by optimizers is having an incredible black friday special offer starting november 21st through the 29th you can get magnesium breakthrough and all the products at 25 percent off this is the best deal they run each year go to buyoptimizers.com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed10 to get 25 percent off your order and if you're listening to this at a different time you can still use the code wellfed10 for 10 percent off you don't love what you you get you can get a full refund no questions asked again that's by optimizers b-i-o-p-t-i-m-i-z-e-r-s dot com forward slash wellfed and use the code wellfed10 to get 25% off november 21st to 29th do you have any actionable tips for people who are showing up low in iron and then they have the anemic you know or they have the symptoms of this like chronic fatigue. I know that's what your book is all about. But what is the first step somebody takes? Because if you go to your doctor, your doctor's not going to know much or not going to say much about copper or anything like that. They're just going to recommend iron supplements. So what what is somebody's first step? Is it, you know, eating the right foods? Is it getting the proper testing? Is it actually taking, you know, are we running out and taking trace mineral supplements now? What What do you recommend? Yeah. And basically what the, what the book does is the first half of the book is what's the problem? Second half of the book is what's the solution? Mm-hmm. And the and the root cause protocol which is laid out in the book uh RCP um and th- there are um many women now 
having completely different pregnancies by doing the RCP. And so RCP is supposed to stand for root cause protocol. It also stands for real cool pregnancies. <laughs> and, um, but it's, it's based on stops and starts. And so um, what people need to do is complete the stops. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop taking iron supplements. Stop taking vitamin D, ascorbic acid, zinc, one a day, you know, you know, your prenatals or whatever. There's a whole series of things to stop, and there are about 12 of them. And then there's a series of starts. And um, they're in phases. One, two, three. So for people who, who don't want to buy the book, go to the website, RCP. 123.org, donate your email address. We'll respect it and protect it. But we're going to send you a 50-page manual on the root cause protocol. And then just start doing what it, what it says to do. I mean, we, we've been at this for a lot of years now. And I think to really hone in on your exact question, the last thing I would take if I was told I was anemic would be iron because what's missing is copper and the symptoms of copper deficiency anemia are identical to the symptoms of iron deficiency anemia and i i take the stance noel that um the idea that iron deficiency anemia exists on planet earth is ludicrous let me explain why The number one element on planet Earth, iron. 34% of the Earth's composition is iron. And and prior to uh, 2020, I would have argued that humans were the most evolved species on the planet. Now I'm not so sure. But for you to believe that anemia, iron deficiency anemia exists, means that the most evolved species on the planet has lost the ability to metabolize the number one element on planet Earth does not pass the sniff test. And so what's missing? The general. Most people do not have bioavailable copper. And what makes copper bioavailable is in the presence of retinol, real vitamin A coming from animals, Mm -hmm. you know, free range eggs, heavy cream, grass-fed butter, grass-fed beef liver, and everyone's favorite, cod liver oil. Um, But that real retinol activates two critical pumps. They're copper pumps. One's called ATP7A. The other's called ATP7B. And those two pumps are instrumental for loading copper into copper enzymes and enabling thousands of transactions to take place inside our body. But if you don't know that ATP 7A and 7B require retinol, retinoic acid, to, uh, to do their work, then you, do, you don't even think about that. And that's the tragedy that, you know, Barbara and Cousins figured this out in 1987. How is it that I know that, but doctors don't? Again, I tease them that their, their degree their MD degree, stands for mineral denialist. And so they they don't understand the role that minerals play to run and regulate our body 
And it doesn't take a lot of a mineral to make a difference. And so the, the confusion is that when people are presented with, oh, you have low iron, first question they've got to ask is, a, a doctor, um, that's a measure in the blood, right? Have, have you measured my iron status in the tissue? Just, just for grins and giggles, just to see what the doctor does. So the doctor will actually almost pass out that you know more physiology than they do. But the second question, what, what iron marker did you measure? Did you measure ferritin? Did you measure hemoglobin? Did you measure serum iron? Or did you measure all three? Ideally, you measured all three, doctor. And what, what are we getting in the way of an integrated response? And oh, by the way, did you, did you have a chance to measure my copper status and my ceruloplasmin? And my vitamin A and vitamin D, did you did you think that maybe all of that together would be important to know? And that's really what we've developed is what's called the Full Monty Iron Panel. It has 12 different markers in it. And it allows the individual or their practitioner to get a more holistic view of what's going on inside the body. This very uh, narrow, um, scripted, uh, your ferritin's low, so you need more iron. Mm-hmm. That's a completely unacceptable statement in the modern era. For a doctor to tell someone what their iron status is based on a ferritin-only blood test, to me, is the height of arrogance and ignorance. Not that I have strong feelings about it. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of sort of this like move in the endocrinology world where functional endocrinologists and even just people who are experts in thyroid health are like, you cannot diagnose somebody just by pulling their TSH. You are getting one tiny, tiny little signal in a whole system. And really understanding what's going on with your thyroid requires a full panel, but then being able to, you know, interpret that, which is not easy. But even to this day, I mean, my husband has a thyroid issue and he gets the pe- the way people, doctors who are sometimes younger than him are speak to him. I'm astounded. And not sure. to say that all doctors are bad because there are some amazing no, doctors great. out there. And I do believe people have like good intentions. But the way people speak to him when he is trying just to get more information, like, hey, I'd really like you to actually not just pull TSH. I'd like to do a full panel. And he's like, I'm not I'm not prescribing that for you. If you want to do that, you can go it on your own, but you don't need it. I'm, it's not going to change anything. And he's like, I just want insurance to cover this so that I can look at it. Can you do that for me? And it's like, no. So um, it reminds me a lot of that where, you know, let's stay with that one number. Yeah. But let's stay with that for a minute. Yeah. This is real important for your listeners and for your husband, apparently. So TSH only that we know that's bad. Right. What's what's the hormone above TSH? Do you know? Um, If it would probably be from the I mean, it would be for the brain. It's a pituitary. Huh? From the hypothalamus. Right. TRH. TRH, yes. So TRH, we're back to a general, and and the TSH is a major. So TRH is copper dependent. Hmm. When when the general is drunk, because it doesn't have enough copper, guess what the major 
guess what the major has to do? The major has to start screaming the orders. And so TSH rises in a copper deficient body. Now, here's the part that I think your, your husband will find fascinating. Um, Jens Maytag, M-I-T-T-A-G, 2012, famous um, European endocrinologist. In Europe, they're called endocrinologists. In America, we call them endocriminologists. They're very different practitioners. And what Dr. Maytag figured out is that the thyroid does not run the body. The thyroid responds to copper status. Mm, right. And so T3, which everyone fixates on, what is T3? Well, it's, it's, we know it's the active form of the thyroid hormone, right? Mm -hmm. It's an oxygen sensor. T3 is an oxygen sensor. <laughs> and guess where it hangs out? It hangs out at complex four of the mitochondria. What's happening in complex four? Oh, that's right. That's where oxygen is becoming two molecules of water. And if that doesn't happen right, that oxygen becomes either hydrogen peroxide or superoxide or, oh no, peroxynitrate. And when it's those other forms of oxidative stress, T3 senses that and it sends a signal. All hormones are signaling molecules, right? Right. It sends a signal back to the liver. And guess what its signal is? Hey, make some more of that ceruloplasm thing, because we need more bioavailable copper here in the mitochondria. Everything in endocrinology is backwards. Your husband's thyroid is wonky, probably because his copper status is in, imbalanced. It's for a lot of reasons, unfortunately. Well, no, I mean, his, you know, he's, his time in the military has not done him very well. Let's put it that way. Well, no, I don't think anyone who's in the military. I yeah. mean, I, I have a colleague who fought in 10 wars. And he yeah, said, well, the exposure. I didn't know the, yeah. He said, he said, I didn't know the enemy was in Washington, D.C. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so the, the thing is, I think your husband's situation is resolvable, but it's going to require a different approach and a different mm -hmm. test. Mm -hmm. Happy, yeah. happy yeah. to weigh in on that if it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I no, I absolutely appreciate um, you providing all the insight, especially about copper. One last question. So I, I kind of just want for somebody who just feels a little bit like. I don't even know what to do with this information. All I know is that I'm struggling with chronic fatigue. Obviously, you have your book and you have your free guide, which is awesome. Are there, do you recommend that people, is there like, I, I know you did say this in your book, which is that you pretty much recommend everybody take magnesium. And we didn't quite get into why, but we can get into that later. And it yeah, is depleted sure. and it supports stress. But do, are you are you now getting to the place where you think everybody should be supplementing with minerals and or copper? De definitely minerals, absolutely uh, magnesium. And I'm in this post COVID era, I'm convinced that everyone needs to be supplementing with copper. Hmm, interesting. People, anyone who has long COVID, they're mm -hmm. copper deficient. They're copper deserts, is what they are. Again, it's just what, what I find amazing with what I know. I'm just, I'm impressed that people are still standing, to be honest. 
Hmm. You think about the level of chronic stress, acute yeah. stress, dietary stress, relationship stress, food stress, you name the stress. And yeah. yet we keep on keeping on. It's very, it's very inspiring. But I think people are struggling, as you note. I think they are dealing with fatigue, mm-hmm. deep, deep bone riddled fatigue. And that just screams of minerals. And yeah. people need, they need more nutrient dense food. I always encourage people to go to Weston A. Price as a guide. Uh, Nourishing Traditions, wonderful cookbook, gives people a wonderful guide to to start with. It's Mm -hmm. not the only source, but it's a great place to start. And just stop getting your food through your car window. It's not a good place to get food. Mm -hmm. And um, try try to avoid the center of a store. Buy your food on the perimeter. Go to farmers markets, get fresh food wherever you can, and you know it's a it's a battle. It, people and people are kind of tired. Like I, I don't, it shouldn't be this much of a struggle, but it is. Mm-hmm. And so I think people need to realize that minerals go a long way, and that they do get lost to stress. It's just the way we're wired as a species. All all animals lose minerals under stress. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference is that an animal. Gets has a very stressful moment, and then they can shake it off. Literally, they literally shake it off, and then they're fine. The human doesn't know about shaking it off, and stays traumatized sometimes for the rest of their life. Yeah. And the and the emotional issue is is enormous. We haven't really talked about it, but behind every physical condition is an emotional dynamic, some unresolved emotional issue. And so, if someone has unrelenting fatigue. I know they've got an ongoing emotional issue that they haven't confronted. Right. Yeah. I definitely have experience with that. Um, so do you recommend people get their copper status checked? Is that a can you actually test that? Oh yeah. You you can get a hair test and or a blood test. And that's the basis of the consults that I do. Mm-hmm. And I encourage I would say at least once a year, maybe a couple times a year. Just if, especially if someone's dealing with fatigue, yeah. If if and they're and they've been taking iron <laughs> their whole life, and they still have fatigue, then I can tell you that iron is not the solution. It's copper, and there's amazing studies to back that up. Uh, I think it's important for people to realize that they've known since the late 1800s how important copper was for hemoglobin production Mm -hmm. and authors from the late 1800s early 1920s 30s 50s 60s all commented on the importance of copper in making new blood Mm -hmm. whether it's heme hemoglobin red blood cells you name it that's all gone modern era never talks about copper involved in in blood formation why? Because that kills the narrative. Mm. So people don't realize that there really is a narrative. Yeah. And again, it's, it revolves around this uranemic copper toxic. And, and the last thing you want to do is remove copper from your body. It's, it's the precious metal that keeps you in homeostasis. 
Morley, thank you for talking so long and answering all of my questions. I would love to have you back on to talk about magnesium because sure, that's like sure. the next step in the process. And I I actually had some questions about magnesium, but you were like, I uh, don't think we're going to get there, Noel. So I appreciate you setting my expectations. <laughs> I will link to all of your resources in the show notes. And I appreciate you always making yourself available, you know, with the free guides and your book and coming on podcasts like this. So we appreciate you, Marley. And um, anything else that you're working on that you want us to know about? Um, what I'm going to be focusing on in, in the next, in the coming year, I'm, I'm going on what I call strabatical. It's mm. a blend, a blend of strategy and sabbatical. I, I came to realize I've, I've been riding hard for 14 years doing this yeah. research. And I said, I think I need a break. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to continue to research. I'm going to continue to do consults, things like that. But I'm really going to focus on high impact uh, work to help position the RCP strategically for the future. Because I, really, I think it's going to become even more important. And I'm looking for innovative ways to de-iron the human body and innovative ways to re-copper the human body. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to be going from pillar to post, knocking on doors, meeting with research scientists, just to see what, what are some of the more innovative uh, fields doing. And uh, there's some real bright lights out there. Uh, Jamie Collins at University of Florida, uh, Vasil Gohill at uh, University of Texas. Uh, there's some amazing people doing some amazing work. And um, I think it'll be a lot of fun to bring that to light and help people uh, in their recovery. And do what we can to to speed up this uh, process of recovery worldwide. Because I I think we've got a a lot of work to do uh, going forward. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Morley, for being here. Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity. All right. For more from Morley, therootcauseprotocol.com. For more from me, coconutsandkettlebells.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks for dealing with my voice. (laughs) You you allowing me to have a little bit of a scratchy voice, but I'll be back next time and I'm sure I'll be better. So 